podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, guys, I'm Si. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. And uh, it's a Monday night, which is a, a bit of a treat for me because normally this is a the members-only slot, but we just done that and we're into uh, the main channel for this evening. We're doing a Premier League preview and uh, really looking forward to it. We did our Championship preview last, last week as the Championship kicked off and the Premier League is going to be a very interesting animal this year, as it was last year, but I think it's, I think, it's as competitive as ever, and I'm delighted to welcome for the first time on camera. We've seen him in the comments now and again, skulking about in some of the shows. But I'm delighted to welcome uh, Theo, who's from the from the Shed End podcast, which is a Chelsea podcast. We will forgive him that. Uh, how are you, my friend? You welcome as well. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. First of all, thanks for having me, and apologies as well. I've got to say that before. Apologies for last week for for not turning up. Um, sure. Obviously. It's all good, but um, yeah, no, good to be good to be here. Obviously, I'm a fan of the channel, so um, pleasure to be here. Hopefully, give some good thoughts and views. That's it, mate. We all like talking football at the end of the day, which is uh, is something which links us all, isn't it? I suppose. And like in regards to last week, mate. Honestly, don't worry about it. I got three teenage boys, and um, <laughs> I know exactly what it's like to have small kids, and they uh, never want to. They never want to work to your schedule, shall we say? So it's exactly it is where it is, isn't it? <laughs> Something's always it's happening. So a bit later on, we're going to have a good deep dive into uh, what happened at Chelsea last year. But um, before we get to that, I, I want to focus on the championship. At uh, championship, I'm so used to saying it. Um, the Premier League. <laughs> so I want to. We're going to talk about the Premier League in general terms. Then we're going to focus on the sort of. The traditional top six, but also some of the teams who are kind of rivaling those sides. We'll talk a bit about the relegation. Unfortunately, we don't have the time to go through every single team and their and their transfer business. But just kind of general thoughts. Who do you think could be a bit of a surprise team this year in the Premier League? Um, it's tough. I mean, Newcastle done really well last year, last season. And I think they're a team that I feel will try and push on from what they achieved. You know, had a really fantastic season. You know, getting back into the you know European football stuff in that Newcastle have been starved of for, for for years. Um, so I think they will be a team that will probably go on and surprise a lot of people. I think there's people that might think because of the, how how good they've been last season that they might. You know, with European football now as well as a factor that they've got to include into their fixtures, that they might struggle. But I think they'll do okay. I think you know, um, Eddie Howe's a really good coach. I like him as a as a manager. I think he's done really well in terms of Bournemouth, Newcastle. So I think he'll I think he'll do well, do well there. Maybe not a surprise package, but in terms of overachieving, which I feel they did last season. You know, no one really had them. You know, if you think back to when Steve yeah. Bruce was there, no one had Newcastle. You know, in Europe. So I think. I think they'll. I think they'll be a surprise package. I think this season, Tenali, I think is a brilliant signing for them. Very out of the, out of the window, sort of, you know, out of nowhere. Um, so I think he'll be very key to them. And obviously, they've got a good, solid spine in terms of the squad that they've got there already. So I think Newcastle, uh, for me, would be would be one. Maybe Burnley as well. I think Burnley will have a good season. You know, they've done really well in the Championship. Uh, Vincent Company again, learning his trade, doing it the right way in terms of where he's been. Uh, Anderlet and Burnley, and you know, he's come come back into the Premier League now as a manager. So 
I think they'll they'll do well. I think you know they're, they're my two surprises. I think Burnley. I think will do well. Newcastle, even with European football, I think will do just as good as well. Yeah, and of course Burnley have got that. Um, they got a twenty goal a striker, twenty goal a season striker in Wout Weghorst. So he's yeah. going to bang them in uh, week yeah. after week. No, I think <laughs> I agree with you to a certain extent with Burnley, but I think Newcastle is an interesting one because I think when we me, me and Rodri talked about it at the start of last year, and we sort of felt. With the the money that they've got available is like in terms of you know funding I guess is is ludicrous like it's more than Man City is so much but we always felt like or oh, the way we discussed it was that last year they'd kind of push maybe get Europa League and then it would take two or three seasons mm. to get to the Champions League and then kind of consolidate from there but they didn't they got there ahead and I think that's largely in part to Eddie Howe I think he's a really good manager. And if you look at the sign-ins that they've brought in this summer, mm. I think they're really clever sign-ins. I think, yeah. look, as you mentioned, Tonali is an absolute phenomenal sign-in. Um, it was a bit of a surprise as they got done quick as well. But Harvey Barnes, um, they've promoted a couple of academy graduates. Um, Anthony Gordon, I think, even though I'm not his biggest fan, I think he will take some confidence. He finally got his goal towards the end of the last season. And... Um, also, the fallback from Southampton. I'm not sure if that's gone through now. Yeah, it looks like it has. Yeah, um, Livermento. Yeah, another good good player. And I think they all feel like Eddie Howe players. So I don't expect them to take too long to you know to sort of accommodate to the way he wants to play. I think they'll do pretty well. But it's so competitive in that sort of top six, if you like. There's all the teams. I think there's an argument to say they've done decent business, which we'll kind of get mm. into now but I, I agree with Rob who's just said in the comments he thinks Villa will push on for top four this year I think Villa already had a great manager and who did I watch I watched him against I think it was against uh, Man City towards the end of the season last year I was really impressed with them and I felt like they were only two or three good players away from really you know becoming a problem for those sort of the big teams if you like um, what do you think of Villa? Like, do you rate Emily? Yeah, I, I do. I think you know you got to remember when he came in. I think Aston Villa was seventeenth in the league when Steven Gerrard was sat. So, you know, to get, I think they have they got Europa Conference or Europa League. They've got one of the two this season now. So, um, I, I think for me, brilliant, brilliant manager. Um, I think they've brought in Musa Diaby, Paul Torres. I think Paul um, Torres is a good one. I mean, two massive signings. Again, you're talking about, again, Villa with a lot of history. You have to remember back to, you know, the 90s and early 2000s that were in, you know, the UEFA Cup. They were in European competition. So it's not unknown for them to be playing European football. Um, and Unai Emery is a really good manager. He loves those kind of Europa. Um, you think back to his time, um, you know, in Spain, he loved to play in that, in that tournament and won it a few times, I think, as well. So I think Villa, a, a very good shout. Um I mean, it all depends on Martinez. I think uh, Martinez, the goalkeeper, I think he's sort of being sort of cherry-picked away. I think at one point it was Chelsea. Um, I think, again, I think another club, maybe it was Arsenal, might wanted him back as well. But I think they're going for for Raya now, aren't they? So they've got to keep hold of that that team. You know, Leon Bailey, I think, is a really good player. Um, obviously, Ollie Watkins is there. John McGinn does a lot of running in that midfield for them. So they've got a really good squad. Um, and Uno Emery, Credit to him as well. He brought back some of the best parts of Tyrone Mings, which Steven Gerrard couldn't do. You know, you think back to when Tyrone Mings was under, I think he was at the team at one point as well, under Gerrard, 
you know, in comes Unai Emery, brings a new lease of life to Tyrone Mings, which no disrespect to Villa fans, but it's no easy, you know, thing to do. So no, I think no, not at all. Y- you have to give him credit there as well. 100%. And I think um, I'm not, I'm not going to allow myself to get set off by uh, and go off on a Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard rant because um, I'll be here all day. I get I, once I get going on them too as managers, <laughs> it becomes a long, long show. I think um, a couple of teams who I think may struggle this year, I think Wolves are going to, mm. they look like they really could struggle this year. Um, Everton, I think, if they don't make the right signings, they've flirted with relegation and just got out at the last minute, the last two seasons. And I just, I said it last week, you can only do that so many times mm. before you yeah. get caught. And I thought they were very lucky last year. It was more a case of results went their way elsewhere than them digging themselves out of it. So I like, like I looked at Forest and I looked at um, Bournemouth. They dug themselves out of the relegation battle with football and, and good form, picking up yeah. results on the road. Everton kind of scraped by and it was the results elsewhere, which kind of helped them out. Um and I think they might struggle. Another team which might surprise people who I worry about a little bit is Brighton because they've lost. Or they obviously Casado is technically still there at the moment. Mm. If if Casado goes, I worry for them, I should say, because I think to lose your central midfield is massive. And I know, you know, they'll they they'll bring players in to a certain extent. But I think sometimes people, because it's Brighton and it's not necessarily like what is a traditional big club in the UK, is you underestimate the players. Like Casado, for me, out of all the midfielders which we've seen, you know, going Declan Rice's, Mason Mounts, all these different players who've gone to these the sort of top half clubs, to me, Casado is the one that's like a no brainer. McAllister obviously went to Liverpool as well. Like Casado, to me, is the one that if I was a fan of one of those clubs. He's who I want. And I know obviously he's been linked with Chelsea because yeah. he can, he's so good at what he does, but he can also play, you know, he can play like a holding mid. He can play at number eight. He can play right back. He's young. There's, there's very little downside to him, but for some reason it only seems like Chelsea are after it. Like, and it doesn't really, I think it's probably the price, but I'd rather pay 90 for him than a hundred and, five for Declan Rice. So yeah. I worry for them. But I you know I'm they've got a very, very good manager. So I think I'm sure you know Kudas has been linked with them the last couple of days. He'd be a great signing. Yeah, agree. I think I think with I think with Everton going back to them really quickly, I think I, I mean I agree with you hundred percent. I think they'll struggle. They've been struggling. Um I think if you go back, you just mentioned Brighton. I think that was the only game potentially that saved them. If you think about that freak result that Everton got back into last season and results went their way. You think back to Leicester. I think Leicester went on a really bad run as well after that. Um, but yeah, Everton really, really are in trouble. And they spent a lot of they should not be hovering above relegation every season. You know, they spent over six hundred million in the past couple of seasons when you go back to, you know, some of the signings, the big names that they brought in um under whatever manager it was at the time, but they've they've spent too much money to be that end of the table. They should be at course, least yeah. you know, mid-table, you know, building on that mid-table momentum, going in for Europa League and then, you know, 
whatever else after that. But to be where they are, you know, they've got a new stadium coming next season as well. So they, they don't want to be playing, you know, championship football in a new stadium. Have no. to spend all that money to get it done. And this is no criticism to Everton as well, but they will struggle, I think, to get out of the championship. You know, we saw, you know, oh, some God, of the, yeah. you know, some of the games uh, over the weekend, you know, I know Leicester went on to, to, to win against Coventry, but Coventry gave them a decent game. So it's not just a case of a team goes down, you know, you look at uh, Leeds and Ipswich as well. So there's, it's not a case that you just go down and you're going to bounce back and do a Burnley. It's not, it's not just that easy. So, um, yeah, I mean, Everton will struggle. I, mean, I agree again with Brighton. I think Brighton, the, the thing with Brighton, I think they have a really good chain of talent coming through. And I think the other thing, they, sorry, I was going to say with Brighton, I just remembered is Levi Colwell at the moment doesn't yeah, look like he's, he's going back on loan. Well, he's he's signed, a massive, he signed a massive new deal. Yeah, signed a new so, five-year deal now at Chelsea. So he's, he's, he's staying for the season. But, I think they've got a lot of talent at Brighton. They've got too much talent to... I mean, they'll, they'll miss McAllister, they'll miss Caicedo 100%, you know, but they need to now bring through that new... They always seem to find a gem from somewhere, yeah, don't they? Yeah, you're right. So though. whoever that is, they're going to have to bring them into that midfield or, like you say, bring in some some extra um, resource from outside. But it's, it's a massive loss for them. You know, you look at you look at the, the two... I mean, your, your midfield's pivotal. You, ha- you have to get your midfield right. They've lost two, and I, and I think this is why they can't afford really to let the two of them go in one season. You know, if they've, they've let McAllister go for 35 million, which I think is crazy in terms of Outrageous. the money and the fee. Um, Kaiseido apparently is not training, he's refusing to train at the moment. He, he didn't train today, he, he sort of re- he's refusing to train at the moment, so he's forcing that move through to wherever. Um, obviously, also wanted him, I think, in January. If you think back to the winter window, he was promised he could leave in the summer as long as, you know, we stayed at Brighton for the remainder of the season. And whatever's happened, whether that was just a, you know, verbal agreement or whoever agreed that, it clearly hasn't been adhered to. And and Caicedo, I feel, I think feels that he's been, he's been let down by the club. So, you know, it's probably not the best way to go about it in terms of trying to get a move. But if he doesn't get a move, like you said, I don't think there's going to be many clubs coming in for him in, in the next couple of weeks. Let me ask you about that. Um, so take your Chelsea hat off a bit. Where do you stand on players having kind of like a verbal agreement? So obviously you've had Harry Kane did it previously where he was promised to move to Man City if he stayed and then it didn't come and he didn't train for a bit, tried to force it through. It didn't materialise. Then it seemed like this year again, he had a, a verbal agreement that they'd let him go in the summer to, you know, whether it was United or whoever. And they seem to be refusing to sell. Then you same with Casado. He stayed, he signed a new contract to get his own pay rise and to get the club, you know, a better price. But also I think Trossard left as well. So the club probably didn't want to lose both of them in January. Like, where do you stand with that? Because, you know, he's an asset for the club. But ultimately, if he yeah. hadn't signed that new contract in January, he would have the leverage now because he'd only have a year or two left. And he wouldn't be worth as much, so it's it kind of works both ways, doesn't it? And I think, to me, if players do give you that extra year, or you know, six months, whatever, and they stick with you when you ask them to, on the promise that you'll let them go for the X amount, the next window, mm. I think you should stick to it. But a verbal agreement means nothing at the end of the day. Exactly, and I was going to say, you know, it, I think if if you're a decent person. You honour the the agreement, you know. If you, you know, if you went back to I think it was Eden Hazard 
the, the only example I'm trying to use with, without my Chelsea hat being on, but mm-hmm. you know, he was told he could leave to go to Real Madrid at the end of the season. He, he carried on playing for Chelsea. You know, I think his last game was Baku, maybe Arsenal, Europa League final. Um, and he he left, you know, he left on good terms. It was it was agreed with, you know, agreed well before that final that he was going to Real Madrid. Um, so I think there's a way of doing it, but I think if there's a if there's a U-turn from the club, you're under contract. And I think if you're you're someone like Caicedo, who's probably been ill-advised by his agent to sign a deal with with clauses in that doesn't really suit what he wants in terms of trying to get a move away from the club, then he's stuck. You know, he's banged to rights because you've signed a deal. I'm not sure how long it is. I don't know if there's a release clause in there. I don't think there is because I'm sure Chelsea would have activated it by now. So it's a a weird one, you know. Surely you would have have said, I want to leave in the summer. This is my valuation I think I want in my contracts. I think I'm worth 70 or 80 million. Put that in the contract as a release clause. Chelsea come knocking in the summer or whoever you can go but it doesn't I mean I don't know why would you sign a deal if you want to leave the club in you know less than six months seven months of signing that deal it doesn't make any sense to me and you know I think when you're you've got to be a professional you know they're we call them professional athletes you know they're professional athletes at the end of the day the professional footballers at the end of the day they've got to act professional you know you couldn't turn up at your your job elsewhere and just say I'm not turning up because you know, I'm a postman or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't want to deliver down that road. I want to go and deliver down that road, but it doesn't work like that. That's, that's your job. So just do what you get paid to do. And if the deal comes in and the two clubs can meet that valuation and agree it and personal terms are agreed, then so be it. But if not, you know, you've signed a deal, you've signed a contract. So you're in, you're in, you're locked in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately if he was, I suppose he probably, it sounds like he didn't expect them to, kind of go back on their word but what he should have done is sign the contract but had a release clause put in yeah and then that takes out the sort of verbal side of it um it's interesting because they i just like trossard has left um levi colwell McAllister, potentially casado there's some big big shoes to fill they have got evan ferguson up there up top who i think is tremendous young talent and i think actually he'll be the next one whether it's next year or the year after, who will probably go yep. for big money. Um, and uh, Mitoma as well is, is uh, you know, they've got quality players and they've got a great manager. But I think McAllister and Casado are not only quality footballers, but they're so important to the way they play with yep. the inverted fullbacks and stuff like that. And yeah, I just don't, I'm not sure. I'm not saying they'll get relegated, just I'm not sure they're going to be right up there like they were last year i don't know but we'll see um in the premier league who do you think has had the best transfer window so far as of today it's a good question um i would like i I mean it's going to pain me to say this i think i mean you can't look away from city i mean they brought in gavardio kovacic who i still think is a brilliant player um but they've lost some players as well. But I think Liverpool needed to rebuild that midfield. And we just spoke about enough. Not yet. I still think I think they need to get that Lavia deal, uh, Romeo Lavia deal done. Um, I, think I think they've put in a forty-five million. I think Southampton have basically said fifty million or nothing. Just pay the extra five mil. You know, I think yeah, I don't understand weird. why you wouldn't do that. You know, I think they need him in that midfield. So I think they need someone of that caliber um, in the midfield. But when you look at you know, they had Jordan Henderson in that midfield. They had um, 
James Milner played in there at times as well. Obviously, Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, who is still playing in that, in that team as well. So I think they still need someone who's going to be able to play that sort of DM, that sort of the, the Lavia role. I think that's his role in that team. And I think if they can, if they can get that over the line, I think they've had a brilliant you know, summer window because they didn't need to do much. Um, you know, Trent's obviously got this new sort of new role. He's not just a, a technically a right back anymore. As they keep saying, he, he can't defend. So he's got a new role, which has worked for him the back end of last season. Their, attack, their attacking was brilliant anyway. You know, they didn't need to, to tweak the attackers. They had Salah, Gapko, Nunez, um, um, Diaz, Jota. So that it was just a midfield I felt that they needed to rebuild. And I think they've done that with the players they've brought in. But I, I think they're missing one piece of that puzzle. And I think it's a massive piece. I think if they don't have it, you can't play Curtis Jones in that in that DM role, which I, I think they're trying That's to do all. You just can't because they'll get ripped apart in midfield. Um, and obviously Trent's stepping in. Robbo's doing the same on the left as well from what I've been watching in preseason. So I think you need someone solid in there. Um, and just to end on Lavia... I think Man City have a clause in his contracts that they can activate a buyback next year. So if no deal's done in the summer, I can't imagine him leaving in maybe in the in the winter window, maybe because he's in the championship. Maybe yeah. he plays half as he's in the championship. But if they, if he stays in the summer, next summer, I could I could Man see City, City going in for him. Yeah, and that's and interesting. I thought, the, I thought the clause was that um, they had to be informed if any bids came in for him and then he, you know, they had the opportunity to match it. So if yeah, Liverpool well. bids, whatever, 50, he can match it, which means obviously that he could end up going to City anyway. But um, I agree with you. I think Liverpool have had a pretty good window. I think, like you say, it was the midfield that was the problem. Um, they've made a couple of great, good signings, but they're just lacking that one final piece. And like, if they went into the season now, I think they might get they might get unstuck because they just have opened got up. A, that makes yeah, all get opened 100%. up easily. Yeah. Um I think Newcastle have had an okay like a good window. I don't think they've had a like a blockbuster window where I'm going, wow, they're really gonna kick on. Or you know, they're gonna compete in the Champions League or anything like that. But I think they've had a very <laughs> good win window. I think Tonali, as we mentioned, is a just a phenomenal signing. City, I agree, they didn't need to do much, let's face it. But what they've done is pretty good. I don't think Kovacic is going to be as effective as Gudungan is. It's just he's mm. not. No, and that, not. that not. would be my. Gudungan was so imperative to the way City attacked last year. Mm. He set the tone, and he was just imperative to how they, because they changed the way they played a bit going forward towards from like at the very start of the season, they played a very traditional sort of pep way of playing if you like trying yep. to pass 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 but obviously that wasn't necessarily the best way to get the best out of Haaland he needs crosses he needs it maybe into his feet a bit more directly and they adjusted and Gudungan was very a very big part of that and I wonder if Kovacic will be able to fulfill the same same role if that makes sense but I'm not to say that he won't be excellent. I just wonder whether that will mean another change of style, maybe, or a few a few adjustments for City. I guess. I mean, they've still. I mean, they've still got loads of other players that can provide those yeah. balls for them. You know, you look at Foden, Grealish, 
Um, I was going to say Mars, but he's left now, isn't he? But yeah. Well, it, let me just ask you a quick question. Sorry to interrupt you. I just no, want to no, ask no. you a quick question about Phil Foden. How long do you think he can sit on the bench before he gets a bit itchy? Because I, if I'm him, I'm what 24, 23, 24. Yeah. He spent a lot of time on the bench. Yeah, it's it's tough because you've got. You mean you paid a hundred million for Jack Grealish, so your assumption is that Jack Grealish is always going to start potentially ahead of him. Um, and he's never really had a real run in the team. When you think about Phil Folder, he's never really had um, that run of games where he looks like he's going to cement himself into the team and become a regular. And I don't think plays like that anyway, apart from, you know, your Harlands or, um, you know, he does like to rotate every now and again. So I don't think in those wide areas, you're going to be able to nail that down and say, right, that's my spot. He's never yeah. really done that. So he always like to, to swap things around. But I think I, I don't see Foden going anywhere else unless a big club, a big bid comes in for him. I, I don't see where he goes. I don't know what, what club would come in for him, um, maybe abroad. But I just think he's, I think he's content with possibly playing more central as well. If it means he's got to change the way that he plays in order to fit in Duke Grealish and Foden, maybe he plays more central behind the striker. I, I'm not sure, but I think he's, I mean, he's still young, 23. I mean, he's still young in football world. Um, yeah. It's just a shame because I think he's a talent. You know, he's, 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 what I would, he's, he's what I would call a street footballer who, you know, the Joe Cole, you know, yeah, who's yeah. on keeps the ball, knows where the pass is before he's got the ball. He's just he's just gifted. So I think mm. for him, I think he's much better than um than Jack Grealish in terms of what I he can too. offer for City. Oh, I think City fans are gonna hate him for this, but I think a hundred million for Jack Grealish is was crazy, in my opinion. I think you've got Phil Foden that can do the job there. Um well, people keep telling me what a great season Jack Grealish had, and now obviously I'm not including trophies. But if you look at his sort of stats and ground covered and all this, like goal scored, assists, he's quite similar to what Anthony had at United, and he's yeah, getting yeah. slated. He's getting slated as a flop and this, that, and the other. And it's like, I don't know. I uh, I had a bit of a rant last week about the <clears throat> the difference in treatment of the foreign players compared to the oh, English yeah. players. Oh, hundred percent. Look at like yeah. Harry Maguire and and people like this yeah. get very protected from They're just wrapped in cotton wool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. very quickly because I just reminded myself of a question I was going to ask you. Do you think Harry Maguire <clears throat> would be a very good addition to Everton in terms of s- staying away from the relegation battle? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, yes because I think they need defence. They need defenders. I think they lost Connor Cody, which was yeah. strange to me because I think they should have kept him. Um, ben Godfrey came back. I think he broke his leg first game of the season last year, so he still hasn't really put himself back in that team. Um, yeah, they need they need defenders, and I think I think Harry Maguire is a is a good defender, but he needs someone really experienced next to him. I just think. He needs to be selective over the team he goes to next in terms of what mm. tactics they play. Like there was rumours of Chelsea being interested in him for some for, for for you know whatever. I don't get it, but like Potts plays similar to Ten Hag and Pep and and some of these other managers. They play a high line, they press. They're not looking to defend their own box, and they want to play. You know, they want to play out from the back. 
everything which Harry Maguire is good at, you know, mm. wants to sit deep, defend his own box, not be left one-on-one versus a, you know, a forward player. So to me, Everton, I think, probably makes sense. West Ham, I think, makes the most well, sense because David Moyes would get the best out of him. Well, I was just going to say, I think West Ham have put a bid in for McTominay and for Maguire, 77 million for the both of them. Here's a question then, right? If West Ham get Maguire and McTominay for whatever, 77 million, uh, is their squad better or the same than when they had Declan Rice? If you if you ask me, is it money well spent? I'd say no. Um, That's interesting. I'm a big fan of McTominay. I really do think he's a good, really good player. He works nonstop when he's on that pitch. And, you know, I think he gets a lot of undeserved criticism sometimes, or from United fans, he's had undeserved criticism at times. I think he's a really good player in that midfield, you know, and I like those old traditional midfielders who get stuck in, um, can carry the ball as well. Yeah, he's I think he's... Oh, I think he needs someone like that. And Harry Maguire going to West Ham, I think possibly would work. But then I'm thinking, who's at, who's in the defence? Is it still Zuma, uh, Kufal? Zuma, um, uh, Zuma and Maguire is your centre-back. And then, yeah, and then you've got... Um, I can't remember who's the left-back is now. He's, he's, my, he's, my, he's, he's gone out of my mind. Um, Cresswell. Yeah, Cresswell they got as well. Um Let's have a look at this West Ham squad. They have got some good players in within the squad. They've got Og, uh, Ogbonna as a centre back, um, Corfal, uh, Kurt Zuma. Yeah, it's it, it worries it's me. Not, I mean, I, there's not much pace there, is there, you know. No, if I was a West Ham fan and I realized that Harry Maguire was coming to my team and I've just lost Declan Rice. I'd, I'd strap myself in for a, a very bumpy season because the idea of Kurt Zuma, who has never really Not looked solid and comfortable, any. yeah, he, he doesn't. Look, he always he's always got one mistake in him, Kurt Zuma, or he's just very. I don't know. He just doesn't strike me as someone who's going to be able to command that back line with Harry Maguire next to him as well. Um, I, I worry about them. I do worry about them. When when we spoke about teams who we worry about, I do worry about West Ham because I think they've lost their striker today to Atalanta. Um, oh, Sk- Skamaka. Skamaka. Yeah, he's gone he's to brilliant. Atalanta as really well. Good. Yeah. So, um, That's good. you know, good they've lost something. Yeah, well, I think he scored eight in 27 or something. So he's not, it's not that bad in terms of his goal ratio. I mean, it could be better, but yeah. in terms of what he's done, he's done there. I think he's done really well. But to lose him, Antonio's 30 possibly 33. I think he's linked with Everton now as well. So I, I worry about West Ham because they're a team that I think relied on Declan Rice a lot to do a lot of that dirty work in midfield. They haven't got that now. Yeah, and so, I think, look, I um, I know a few United fans who think uh, Scott McTominay will do a better job for West Ham in the Declan Rice role than Declan Rice did. And I was a bit taken aback at first because I thought, I don't think Scott McTominay's better than Declan Rice. But they kind of explained it in that, not necessarily that he's a better footballer. He's very underrated. But they just said, he's got half a yard, he's half a yard quicker. He reads the game very well. He can carry the ball probably a little bit better than Declan Rice. Yeah. And they said, he just they just think that he will, playing at United, in, as a as a holding midfielder, when Casemiro's not there, is very different 
to doing that at West Ham. And this is why I questioned, like everyone assumed that West Ham, you know, Declan, uh, Arsenal signing Declan Rice, 100 million, oh, he's going to do bits. But I said, yeah, he might, but he also might not because mm. playing a holding midfield role on the halfway line and pushing into the opponent's half is not what Declan Rice has done for the last however many years. He's almost been like a fifth or third centre-back. He sits so deep and it's just different because he's going to have to dictate play. He's going to be breaking the play up further up the pitch, Um, which kind of takes me on to Arsenal. What do you think of their business? Because I I really rate Timber and I think they needed to strengthen. They just didn't have much depth. I still think they're a striker short, though. Oh, yeah. I was just about to. I mean, I, I watched the community show yesterday and, you know, Declan Rice was well up that field. He was almost playing number nine at one point. Um, in terms of Arsenal, I think I think they're striker short. I think I agree with you. I think, you know, Gabriel Jesus being injured, I think he's missing the best part of, you know, six to probably even longer, six to 12 weeks out. Um, that's a massive blow for Arsenal. And I can say this with, a lot of chess at the moment. Kai Havertz cannot play number nine for, for Arsenal. <laughs> well, they, they signed him as a number eight, and I was like, Yeah, yeah. But they've got did he players... ever play number? Did he ever play in midfield for you guys? No, I was convinced he, he was more of like a number 10 He's, or like a wide attacker. You put him on the wide, you put him on the left. Um, he was played left for us on left wing or you know, left side of the attack. Um, but he's never, he's not, he's never played an eight in terms of what I've seen him at Chelsea anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, He's never played. He's never showed the qualities or the attributes to play in that role to me he's, either. Like he, he's not strong enough. Were you surprised not, how much money you got for it? Yeah, yeah, really was because I think he didn't have the best of seasons at Chelsea. He hasn't had the best of time at Chelsea. I mean, if you talk, you know, everyone talks about the Champions League goal, which I'm sure he'll always be remembered for at Chelsea. But take that away, the the money we paid for him. I mean. Someone offered you 65 million, you'd snatch their hand off because I've, I think we paid 72 for him. So, based on what we've got out of him and yeah. how we're selling him on for, I mean, it's it's a good bit of business. But uh, I think he's, I, I mean, it makes sense. I, you, you notice a lot of these sort of, you know, London players or play, players that play for London clubs, they try to keep themselves amongst London somehow. You yeah. know, look at Georgino, you look at now Kai Havertz and other players that have done it, David Louise, Willian. Um, I think he's gone for that move because it's ideal for him. I don't think he actually wants, wanted to go to Arsenal. I think he was unhappy at Chelsea. Arsenal came knocking. I'm not sure who signed off the deal. At, yeah, I don't know who signed off the deal at Arsenal, but they need to have a, a quiet word with themselves because 65 million is, is daylight robbery for, for Kai Havertz. He's a really good player on his day. And again, another player that has been heavily criticised for the for right or for wrong, but um, someone that needs to prove himself now. I think this is a season where you want to see Kai Havertz prove himself. And if it means you've got to play as a striker, then that's what you've got to do until Gabriel Jesus is back because, you know, Arsenal fans will be expecting themselves to be back where they were last season. Yeah. Whether they overachieved or not. No one's to shy away from expectations, are they? Exactly. And no, no one's going to say that they should have been, you know, pushing City for the league. No one thought that at all. But now that you've done it, you can't go back and say, oh, we're just going to get Europa. We're just going to get top four because you've proven without Kai Havertz, without Timber, that you can actually do what you've done last season. So I think they'll, I don't think personally they'll be up there, but I think the fans from Arsenal will think that they can do it. And um, 
I've just read before or just flashed up about Kieran Tini potentially going on, on loan to... Um, you know what? Who's he going on loan to? Rail, Rail Sociedad, apparently. Move for him. I think... It's not a done deal. Back. It's not a done deal, but it, it's they're inquiring at the moment about it, so... But Arteta just doesn't seem to fancy him, which, you know, that happens. Sometimes the manager just doesn't take to a player or doesn't rate him. I think Tierney's a quality fullback, and I think... Um, there's top clubs in the Premier League who, you know, if they didn't have if they didn't have fullbacks, we'd look at him. But I think yeah. for whatever reason they're pretty fucked. I'm interested. Just, uh, go on. I was gonna say just one more thing about Arsenal. I think they will lose or they'll miss Granit Xhaka, who yeah. I think was a massive part of that midfield. Um, and I feel I'm sure Arteta said that's why he brought Kai Havertz in to play the Janet Xhaka role. It won't work, but this is Arteta's words. But I think you know losing him. Um, not sure how much it was for. It was yeah for for twenty twenty one point six million. I think they lost him for. He's a he. Well, we'll see how it pans out for Arsenal, but I think he's going to be a massive loss for them. Yeah, uh, Rob in a comment says he thinks Memphis Depay would be a good fit for Arsenal. Um, yeah, I could see that. I think my problem with Arsenal is, I I do rate I really rate Timber. I think Declan Rice could end up being good for Arsenal, but I don't think it's a guarantee. I don't really rate Kai Havertz. I think he's got a lot to prove. And if if the plan is truly to play him as a three in in the midfield and not as a you know like a ten or a or a wide player, I worry for that midfield. Yeah. I really do. And I look at the business that Man City have done and what they were already like. I look at the business that United have done. I look at the business that Liverpool have done, Newcastle have done, and then I look at Chelsea, who've got no Champions League, no Europa, no, no Europa League, some of the signings that you guys have made, and I look at that and I think, geez, Arsenal aren't even guaranteed to get top four, let alone challenge for the title again. You don't know how it's going to sort of pan out. Um, Mason Mount... Talk to me about Mason Mount, and, and then we'll take it into you know move into the United's business for the window. Yeah, um, strange one, strange season for Mason Mount. I think you know, you know, you speak to Chelsea fans, they would have guaranteed that Mason Mount was going to be you know Chelsea captain in a couple of years. He was going to be through and through Chelsea. He wasn't going to leave the club. It's a club that he grew up with and whatever else. But I think there were signs early on in the season. You know, even when Thomas Tuchel was there, things weren't right with Mason Mount. He was in and out of the team. I think he got injured at one point. He was out of the team when he came back. Changing managers, changing owner. Everything just happened probably at the wrong time. And um, yeah, you could you could sense. I think from uh, I'd say from December, January, maybe after the 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 World Cup, something just wasn't right with with Mason Mount. There was just something that wasn't wasn't sitting right with the, the fact that he didn't look like he wanted to be at the club anymore. Um, yeah. And I think I think yeah. United was always going to be the destination. I think it was always going to be the place he was going to go. We turned, supposedly he turned down Liverpool and, and, a, and a couple of other clubs, I think, didn't he? And I, it was a weird one because he looked, it looked like as soon as he, it became clear he was going to leave, seemed for at least from the outside as if he only was interested in going to United which almost then makes me wonder as someone who hasn't really got a 
horse in the race, if you like. Makes me wonder if that was his head turned. You know, did he know or did was he already thinking about a United move? You know, once he's made up his mind to go at some point, how far back I, does that go? You know, I think it was one of the two. I think I know there was a lot of conversations that was held with Liverpool, and that was that's sort of common knowledge that. You know, yeah. I think even after one of the games, I think when we went, we played at Anfield, he, his representatives, representatives spoke to their representative Liverpool. There was conversation and dialogue. Um, whether it came down to the fact Liverpool weren't willing to pay the fee that was mm. paid for him by United, I don't know. But, I mean, it's a big club, United. You have to you have to remember, you know, he's going, he's not going from Chelsea to a, a team that's, you know, hasn't achieved or anything. So he's going to a team that's won things over the years. It's a big club, one of the biggest in, in the world. So, so it, it, the thing with Mason Mount now, I think it's a massive, you know, Chelsea fans gave him a lot of leeway. They gave him a lot of, but it's Mason Mount, you know, he'll come, he'll, he'll be, he'll be back to his better form, you know, back to back player with the season. He's Mason Mount. So a lot of that was always spoken about amongst the Chelsea fan base, but now you're at United, you don't have that safety net underneath you. You know, if you don't perform and I've watched a couple of the preseasons games United and a couple of clips have been sent to me, you know, he hasn't really been pulling up trees. Yeah. It's interesting. I did watch, I've watched two of their preseason games and um, look on the weekend on Saturday, he missed a sitter, but actually, is his general link-up play and some of the other things he did were very good, but obviously with the way social media is, things get amplified, yeah. don't they? So you see yeah. the bad thing he did, but you don't see the four or five good things he did. Yeah, um, of course. To me, I look at United's midfield and what they struggled with towards the end of the season was Ericsson looked exhausted. Yeah, and he doesn't have the legs to do the off-the-ball work when you play the better teams when you know when you play the sort of lo- the teams down the bottom of the table Ericsson you know he can dictate play and he's fine um but I think you know if you take out last season for Mason Mount and you look at his stats and stuff for Chelsea he you know he creates and he he did quite well for Chelsea that there's a reason why he was viewed as a future captain he just mm-hmm. needs to rediscover that form and I think he will give you what Christian Ericsson doesn't give you in terms of the pressing and the work rate and the energy and a bit more pace. The problem for him might be is if it looks like Amrabat is coming into United. Now, I really, really rate Amrabat as yeah. a as a stand-in for Casemiro, but also to play with him. So Mason Mount might have gone there and he could be on the bench or he could be shunted out wide a lot. So Yeah. And he I, can he can he can play there. I mean, he can yeah. play on the wide area, you know, the wide areas of the pitch. He can do that. And to be fair, he's probably just as a, as effective there as well. Um, okay. I, I I think I think he'll do well. I mean, I don't want to say I just because I watched preseason that he's he's poor. Yeah, I don't think that. Good. I know. Just I've always said there's a really good player in Mason Mount. I just think one, he needs a good manager. You think he's had Tuchel, he's had Graham Potter, he had Frank Lampard. You know, he's had a lot of managers to to, to contend with trying to play their system, play what they want, their philosophy, their tactics. So he just needs, I think, someone to settle him down. Bit of stability, um, maybe. Bit of stability. And I think you're, I mean, there's a brilliant play. You don't get back-to-back player of the seasons because your name's Mason Mount. You have to put the shift in. And he done yeah, that at Chelsea. He'll he'll rediscover that form. Um, in terms of United overall, I think they, they are strikers short. 
I think I think they've just signed a strike, haven't they? That yes, they signed Hoyland. Yeah. I'll be honest, I don't know much about him, so I'm not going to sit here and say I it's, do. The thing I find funny about it is obviously you get the comparisons, don't you, to to Harland, Harland because he's yeah. young and he's Scandinavian. Yeah. He's a very different player. He um, he's very pacey. He likes to run with the ball. He gets in behind, but he is big. You know, he's a big and strong player. He likes to link up and drop deep, but he's young. Mm. So it's like he could come into the Premier League next year because Bruno Fernandes creates so many chances that he could come in and score, you know, 20, 25 goals. But then he could also do what Val Vegas did and miss all those chances. Yeah. And because yeah. he's young, the pressure, he will feel that pressure. You've got to give him time. I, th- I guess the one thing United have got in there, favour in that respect is I expect Ten Hag to start, at least start the season with Rashford through the middle or Martial if he's fit because yeah, Ganacho is so good and he's so, he's in, he looks really sharp and everything, they can kind of slot him in on the left without yep. too much, you know, it's not like oh my god, what are we going to do without Rashford on the left and then you've got Sancho's look good the end of last season and the Preseason, he looks, you know, he looks fit and sharp. Yeah, and I think, do you know, out of all the United players, I think Jaden Sancho is the one who suffered by not having a striker. Oh yeah, of course. If you go back to his time at uh, Dortmund, Dortmund, yeah, so good with Haaland, and when they when he has a striker to play off, but if you've got no one there or like a false nine or whatever, mm, the he doesn't things, work. Just doesn't, and um, I think they've been pretty clever with their business, United. Especially if they get Amrabat, I think he's they. I so it looks like, um, or at least the last time I looked, they've given Johnny Evans a year. Yeah, which makes sense to me because I think even Johnny Evans will be probably be fifth choice behind. Well, he's experienced as well. Yeah. you know, you put him in the cup games, you know, Carabao Cup, FA Cups, and you know, certain game Luton again, not to discredit Luton, but yeah. you know, there's certain games that he can come into, and you can give you know, the Varans or whoever arrest and, and give them a, you know, they've got some big games coming up this season as well. Yeah. So, makes I sense. I think their, um, their midfield looks very balanced in terms of they've got Casemiro and Amrabat if he comes in, who are like the sort of more defensive options, although Amrabat can do other stuff. You've got Mount and Fernandez who can kind of do the they're running around if you like, but yeah. they're also very creative. And then you've got the the young lad, um, Kobe Mainu, who looks like a real player, but there's no pressure on him because he's got all those first choice players with him. Yeah. And then you've got Sancho, you've got Anthony, you've got Rashford, Ganacho, and then you've got Martial and Hoyland. And I think I do think they probably need one more striker, but because you can't rely on Martial. The fact is on no, his day, a, phenomenal player, but he's sick note all the time. He's a sick note, so I, I wouldn't yeah. put my my eggs in one basket for him at all. I think no. I think they do need another striker. I think Rashford had a brilliant season. You know, you think back to the the season before last when he was sort of dip up and it down. Like he was going to go, didn't he? It looked like he was going to go, and then he sort of rediscovered his form, which I think you know Mason Mount can do the same. But I think Rashford has to have that sort of same season of just hitting the ground running and just putting the ball in the back of the net. I think one thing that will help United this season is De Gea not being there, Onana mm-hmm. coming in. Someone that's Onana more comfortable. Some assists. 
Yeah, well, he's brilliant distribution, good with his feet. You know, he's a good sh- a shot stopper as well. Um, brilliant goalkeeper. You know, I've watched him a lot for for uh, Inter Milan. So he's he's a really really good goalkeeper. I'm not going to say he's an upgrade from De Gea, but I think he brings a lot more qualities um, than what De Gea was 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 declined to. I mean, I'm not going to say that he was a poor goalkeeper, but he definitely declined no. slightly, didn't he? So. You know, I think they needed to bring a, a younger goalkeeper um, who could probably fit Ten Hag's style a bit more. Do you think that Ten Hag is the the right kind of manager to get the best out of, you know, like your your Mason Mounts, your young striker like Hoyland? Like yeah. you look at the job he's done with Wan Bissaka and, and Rashford, um, the patience he showed with Sancho, but he also showed a ruthless side with the Ronaldo thing. Um and there was some other stuff I can't remember off the top of my head, but like yeah. he kind of showed two sides to his character, but also tactically, I think he seems pretty switched on. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested how because I speak to a lot of United fans, so sometimes I wonder if my view it gets sort of skewed, skewed a bit there. Yeah. But so I'm interested in what like you think as a Chelsea fan. Like I think I look at it the business, and I think Liverpool and United. A kind of neck and neck for the best business in the window, probably just then Arsenal and Newcastle not far behind. But like, there was a point last season when United played, I think it was Arsenal in the league, and Casemiro got banned the game before. Yeah, and then United and Arsenal had a really close game, which Arsenal just pipped, and then United kind of had a bit of a, a ropey spell then. But I said at the time. That I felt that if United would could beat Arsenal in that game, they might actually be the ones who were closest to City. Not necessarily going to win the title or go on and you know really push them, because Arsenal didn't really push them ultimately. No, no, not really. But, but I think United weren't that far off Arsenal, and I think they've made a good good additions all around the squad. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think I think Ten Hag's a really good manager. You think back to what he done in Ajax as well. I think he's. I don't want to. I don't. I hate. I don't want to. I hate comparisons, but I don't want to yeah. compare him to to Alex Ferguson at all. But I feel mm. like he he brings that sort of balance in terms of, you know, when to not, you know, stay, stay in line and do yeah. what you got to do. This is your job. But he also has that sort of sort of arm around the shoulder sort of side to him as well, where he he can probably nurture some of the youngsters. So on even like a Mason Mount. I know Aaron Pisaka's had a, a sort of rough time in Manchester as well. And he's I think he's due to get a new contract, you know, obviously proved himself. as well. It's yeah, he's proved choice himself now. Yeah. So uh, when you think back to when Ten Hag come in, he was sort of in and out. I don't think he's even in the team. So yeah. you know, he's obviously got that side to him where he's got the man management side right as well, that balance. Um so yeah, I think he's a really good I think he's he's the right man for the job. I think he can definitely get some of these players in. And like you said, he doesn't take any sort of rubbish from any of the players. You know, if you don't want to be at the club, then the doors to your left, you know, leave. Um, don't don't pass go. But I think he um yeah, he he's definitely got for me, looks like he's got the qualities there. Um yeah, to to try and take United to the next level. I think as I said, I think he just needs uh, this is my theory. I think Harry Kane doesn't go yep. anywhere. And I think he goes to United for free. You know, they give him a nice big signing on fee, which what they oh, probably okay. would have paid in a transfer fee anyway. You know, yeah. would have gave him a, you know, whatever they give him 25, 30 million sign on fee. That's what, you know, would have gone towards oh, okay. his transfer fee this summer. 
I think he goes to United. I don't think he wants to go abroad. I think he wants the Premier League record. He's going to get that at United. He's going to get the service at United. I, I think that happens. I think it, it will happen. I think he'll stay at Tottenham this year and I think he'll go to United next year and he'll break the so, record. I agree with everything you said, except I've got a theory that he won't go to Bayern now. I think Bayern are going to go elsewhere because they need a striker. Their season starts in a few days. I think United will sell Maguire, uh, Fred, McTominay and what's to keep it? Henderson. Yeah. And they will go in at the end of the window because they had no pressure on them now. They've got their striker. They've got a striker. So they, can, yep. they can kind of wait. And then they'll go in and they'll say to Daniel Levy, here's 90 million, take it or leave it. And Levy will go, right, it's 90 million. Yeah. And he's you know he sold players at the end of the window before and left them in trouble. Sure. So yep. I just think that that's what we're gonna. That I got a feel. I just got a feeling. And do you think if United was to get Harry Kane now, they're titled contenders? You'd have to have them there. You'd have to have them up there, hundred percent, because they Harry Kane gives you goals. He gives you twenty yeah. goals a season. He's, it doesn't even matter whether it's a penalty, a header, or amazing strike outside the box. He's going to get you twenty goals a season, and. You need someone prolific, and I've been saying this, you know, my my own channel as well. You know, you need a prolific goal scorer. If you're going to win the league, you can't have players chipping in. You know, Jorginho, when we I think a couple of seasons ago was our top goal scorer with penalties. You know, you need someone who's going to put the ball in the back of the net every Saturday, every Sunday, and they're going to be able to do that throughout the season. Harry Kane guarantees you that. You know, the only worry with Harry Kane is obviously his age. He's going against him now. He's obviously the back in the wrong side of thirty almost. Um, and he does sometimes pick up injuries, which yeah. would worry me if I was going to spend that much money on someone who you might get two, maybe three seasons out of him. You know, how old is he now? 33, 34, something like that. So, wow. you know, how, how many seasons are you going to get out of Harry Kane for 90 million when you could probably go and get Oshiman, you could go and get another striker that you got, you're guaranteed to get for the next, you know, five or however, however many years. So I, I just think it's a big gamble. Um, getting Harry Kane, but he's a proven goal scorer. So I think your theory, my theory, whichever one, if it happens, you know, United are definitely going to be winning silverware. So bit of breaking news. Uh, Manchester United have rejected the £30 million bid for Scott McTominay. So basically, by the sounds of it, just reading up, West Ham bid £30 million for each player. It's £60, okay. million, 60 million combined. But I know United want at least 35 to 40 for McTominay. And I think that's a fair price. Oh, yeah. Scotland, yeah. Scotland International, I think he's easy worth 40 million. Yeah. He's, he's got age on his side. He's got contract. Like 40 million, I think, is fair to both sides of that argument. I think Harry Maguire is another story. 25. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they. I would take 30 million for Harry Maguire. Yeah. I, I would take it. Yeah. You've got and to really. We've got to remember for Harry Maguire, by the way. Like, I've heard or I've read some stuff like he doesn't want to go to West Ham and they're not a big enough club and this and that. If he is getting bad advice and he stays at Manchester United, he could not even be on the bench because yeah. they're going to play Varane and Martinez. If, uh, if Varane is out, Lindelof plays. If Martinez is out, Luke Shaw or Johnny Evans will play because Ten Hag likes a left-footed centre-back. 
Eric Bay is still there as well. Eric, I, I think he went to Saudi. Um, I oh, did he go? That. Did he leave? Yeah, I thought. I, oh, I wow. think I saw that just now, but I don't know if it's. But even so, like, okay. so like guaranteed in front of him is Lindelof yeah. for Varane, and then you've got Johnny Evans and Luke Shaw. So he's not even yeah. going to be on the bench. You can't afford that <laughs> as an England senior player in the year of the Euros when you've already yeah. when he's coming, off, to... coming off a season like he just had as well. Yeah, like, you can't, you can't. I think you've got to pick your battles wisely, haven't you? I think you, he knows he hasn't had the best season. Obviously, United are resigned to the fact they're going to lose. I, I think, what well, was it, 80 million that they paid for, for Maguire or something yeah. ridiculous? So, you know, I think United are resigned to the fact that they're only going to get what they can get for him. You know, you're not going to, he has an outstanding season where you can sort of demand a bit more money, um, especially with English players, you can normally do that. You know, you think even Mason Mount, you can probably put an extra 10, 15 million on top. Um, but yeah, I think he's got it. He's got, I think that'll be a deadline day uh, signing somewhere, whether it's West Ham or somewhere else. I think he, I think he'll move on. Even if it's on loan with an option or mandatory to, to, to buy, I think he'll go. Yeah, I agree. Um, right. Before we talk about Chelsea to finish off, I would like to, Get your predictions for the the top four, top four, and who you think is going to get relegated as well for the Premier League. Which one should I start with? The relegation first. Should we do the the bad and then do the good? Yeah, go on. Who do you think relegating? Who's getting relegated from that Premier League team side? So no, no particular order. I think Luton. I think Luton will struggle. This season, I don't think they'll have much about them. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I think it's. I think it's going to be too much for them to to be able to to cope with this season. I think Everton, as we mentioned as well, I think Everton are going to be hundred percent struggle this season. I think you know, unless they bring in some really you know good striker, I think they you know they can't rely on Calvert Lewin, so they need a they need a striker. Um, who else do I think is going to struggle? It's tough. I feel like I feel like Forest Forest might be down there. I know it's a it's a tough one between Forest and Sheffield United, and I hate to use the teams that have just sort of been hovering there or thereabouts. But Sheffield United were a team that I sort of thought, "Mm," you know, I didn't even think they were going to go up. I got to be honest. Yeah, exactly. So I think I look at uh, Luton, Everton, and Forest. I'm going to go for. I think Forest Forest are a team that I just can't really gauge. When I watch yeah. them, I don't really they don't fill me with joy, basically. I don't watch their games if right, they're gonna they're gonna win this 3 0. You know, they could be playing Luton and I still think Luton might do them, you know. So mm-hmm. he's never you don't really feel confident watching Nottingham Forest. Um, but yeah, Luton Everton, I think will go down this season, unfortunately, which would be a shame for it. I think they're the longest serving team in top flight football, but I think they I think they'll go down. Mm. I um I think Forest will be right. I think they've got a good they got a good manager. And they, yeah. I think they've made some good signings in this window. Um, my choices would be, I agree with you, I think Everton is finally going to go, um, unfortunately. I don't. I think Luton might survive by the skin of their teeth. Mm. I think Wolves might struggle. I think Wolves will go down. So Wolves, Everton, some big teams, isn't it? And <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wolves, Everton, and Bournemouth. Bournemouth, I think, I can't believe they sat Gary O'Neill. I think that's outrageous. 
after yeah. what he did last year. Yeah. And I wonder how the players will react to that because they clearly loved him. They clearly played for him. Um, there's a few players already. There's been rumblings of loans. And, you know, yeah. I just wonder how disruptive that's going to be. So I've gone for some big teams. Wolves, Everton and, who did I say? Uh, Bournemouth. Bournemouth, so, yeah. Just just to add to that as well, Gary O'Neill, I think, is in line for the Wolves job should it become available. So, well, I might that might change then. I might check <laughs> I rate him a lot. Yeah. Um, so, have you got Man City winning the league? Um, yeah, I'll be honest, I have. I have. Um, I think Haaland will be too much again. I think he, you know, he's just a goal scorer, isn't he? So, I think, unless, unless Harry Kane does do the move to United, I think you, you've I've got to go for C. Yeah, I think with C, um, like Haaland is the only player in world football, in my opinion, who's on the Messi and Ronaldo level. Like even Mbappe, I think, is a level below. Yeah. Um, I think Haaland is the only one who's in that tier, you know, scoring 50 goals a season. Like, yeah, it's, it's not normal to score 50 goals a season. No. <laughs> like, 30 goals in a season, like for, who was it, Rashford. That's a yeah. great season. Like world class season, but Haaland is just going to bang in fifty goals in all competitions for the you know if he stays injury free for years he'll just keep doing it because he's yeah. that good. Yeah, he, um, is. he is. So you've got City. Is anyone going to run them close, or is it going to be second by fifteen points again? I don't want to say this, but I feel like Liverpool. I feel like Liverpool this season yeah. have. I think they have to get it right this season because I feel like Klopp's. He'll go if they don't. Yeah, he's so yeah, he's showing signs of cracks last season. I thought especially so. in his press press conferences, he didn't see himself and he just some of his substitutions didn't make sense as well. It just things didn't seem right with Liverpool last season. So I think this season now they've addressed the midfield, you know, they've got Van Dyke as their captain now, they've got you know the team that they want, I suppose, going forward in the attack. So I feel like they will they will be okay providing they can get another body in midfield like I said before maybe someone like Lavia they might even come in for Caicedo last minute as well if he's still hanging around you know uh, the Amex somewhere uh, with his boots in his hand so he, yeah they might they might come in for him but I think Liverpool will push them I'd love to see Chelsea but we'll, we'll talk about them in a minute Um, so you've got uh, City Liverpool who's yeah. taking up those last two top four spots for you it's tough. It's tough, and I don't it's want to be really biased. <laughs> I don't want to be biased, but I do feel without European football, Chelsea it's have big, no excuse. It is a, but it's a big, it's a big help in that. Yeah, we've got. We've. I mean, I, I, I've said before that this is not my. This is my sort of. Uh, no, the bare minimum for me is getting into Europe, whether it's Europa League or Europa League Conference. I think that is the bare minimum that we should be doing. But if we're going to be trying to be, you know, exceeding our expectations, I think we should be looking at top four. And I think we've got the squad to do. I mean, we have, you know, we've got a squad now that should be able to, in terms of quality and depth, whether it's good enough, we don't know yet because it's not been tested in the Premier League. But we've got a squad there now. And I think we should, without that European pressure, be able to just kick on with our games, swap our team around for the cups, you know, domestic cups as well. We should be able to, we should be able to be all right. You know, no games on a Sunday or relatively no games on a Sunday or Monday, you know, so we should be okay. I think, I think we should be in there. Um, the last team I think 
and this is always going to be difficult. I feel like Newcastle. I think Arsenal and I think nice. Tottenham. I know. I, I think Newcastle are going to have a really good season. I, I love Eddie Howe. I think he's a really good... And we have to... It's hard because I think we always think about the top four, top six of, you know, back in the day where we used to think yeah, the top six and the top four. Yeah, it's not it's not really a top six anymore because you know Newcastle have done done amazing last season. Brighton, you know, Leicester have been in there before as well. So it's not, and it's always one of those top four traditional top fours that always miss out normally, or top six yeah. that normally miss out. So yeah. I, I think I think Arsenal will try and push themselves, but really to the point where they burn burn out before you know December. Um, I think Tottenham. Uh, I, I always worry about Tottenham defensively. Yeah. Um, I do. You know, I think they they they're not really good. They, they score a lot of goals, but they let a lot of goals in as well. And I think they 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 worry me defensively. Attacking wise, well, fine. If they lose Kane as well, they could have a real problem. Well, you're looking at Richarlison as your your talisman going up front, and the less said about that, the better. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think one of those two will definitely miss out. I think we should be in there. I think Newcastle. Providing they don't get dragged into that Europa League conference, uh, Europa League, um, if they come out of the Champions League and end up in the Europa League, yeah, I think that would be a massive test for them. You know, playing those Thursday nights and then Sundays, but I think they should be. I think they'll be there thereabouts, and they can always dip back into the transfer window in December as well. Let's not forget that. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting, see, because I, I, I'm the same as you. I think Newcastle are going to have a good season. The thing with Newcastle which worries me. I don't think they've got enough goals in their strikers. Um, okay. That's the one thing which I think differentiates them from the other teams. They perhaps don't score enough. Yeah. But I, I still think they'll have a good season. Um, Arsenal, I've already said, like I don't think they've got enough goals in them. And I also, uh, I just, I don't know what the Kai Havertz signing's about. I don't understand it. Um <laughs> You know, it's no, it's no disrespect for him. I just don't get it, yeah, like at all. Um, and then, so then I look, at, I look at Man City are going to be top, I'd imagine. And then I look at who, which managers have been there, done it before, um, are used to building teams. Who are improving players? Which sides did well last year? Which sides have done well in the window? And to me, the two which stand out would be United and Liverpool in terms of the business they've done. And then Klopp's been there and done it, so he knows. But I also agree with you. There was cracks last year in Klopp, and I, if Liverpool get off to a bad start, I'm not sure that he'll be able to stop that mm. snowball. So, but yeah. I do think I think it'll be City. Then I think it'll be Liverpool and United, and then I actually think it'll be Chelsea because again, I think Pochettino has been there and done it in terms of a top four challenge. Yeah, I think they've quietly, much like United, Chelsea have quietly just been building their squad, improved on some areas, keeping Levi Colwell. I think it's going to be a big bonus as well. Um, and I look at basically, I look at United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and I look at their squads compared to uh, uh, sorry Liverpool, Chelsea, and United, and I look at their squads in terms of depth, new signings, mm-hmm. manager. Everything together, yeah. and then versus Newcastle, Arsenal, Tottenham. Um, I just think those three will have too much. But if I was going to pick one side to kind of break into that four, it would probably be Newcastle. 
I just don't see yeah. Ten Hag missing out on top four. No, and you're right. You're right. I, I, it's it's tough. It is tough, and I, I, it's, I think it's very United will. Next yeah, and no, I think I think Ten Hag is like I said before. He's a really good manager. Um, I just think well, going forward for for United. If Martial picks up an injury, Rashford's prone to a couple of injuries here and there as well. Uh, who do you look to? They need you know, that, yeah, they need that young striker to hit the ground running. And then, I agree, yeah. that's the problem, then, isn't it? But everything I've seen of him, he is very good. I got to say, but it's so much pressure on it, like a young kid. Yeah, but yeah. big, big prices. We have seen it before. From. Yeah, yeah, we have, and I think he's 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 definitely. I mean, I said I don't know much about him. Um, but you know what? A, what a league to come into, you know, and, and prove yourself, and then you know, springboard yourself onto you know the world platform, and and everyone mm. talks about you for, for years to come. Scored six in six games for Denmark as well. Um, yeah. So like, he's clearly got something about him, and the Premier League does suit pacey strikers as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's another kind of bonus. Um, trying to think if there's anyone else I. Yeah, I don't see anyone else really breaking in to that sort of top five or six. Arsenal fans will be giving me some grief, I think, but I just... And it's strange because I really thought they were great last year. They just lacked depth. But I don't rate uh, Eddie Nketiah. Is it Nketiah? Is that how you pronounce yeah, Nketiah. I'm, ter- yeah. I'm terrible with names, but I don't really rate him as a like a very like top, top-level striker. He's not like a, he's not one that you could put in the Champions League final and say, right, go and get me two goals. He's yeah. not that level. He's not. He's not. And I think, you know, I think Arsenal fans can't be too. I mean, the thing with Arsenal fans, and we've got to remember, Liverpool were poor last season. Chelsea were poor last season. You know, United were were good in spells. They, you know, they had a really good back end after the December break, and they came back and done really well. So Arsenal looked good because I think other teams were. We're playing really bad, you know. Yes, I think Liverpool, yeah. Chelsea, as well. So I think, not to say I'm not taking away the fact that they were, they should have won the league. Let's be honest, they should have won it. Yeah, they but, should have. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, I think a, a lot more pressure should have been on Arsenal last season to to stop them from going as far as they did to try and win that league. I think Chelsea and Liverpool should have been there, but we just were, were poor. We had poor seasons. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea's season was um, pretty unprecedented in recent times. In a nutshell, what happened? Because it seemed from the outside, it seemed like one of them seasons that football fans like end up just halfway through the season. You're just like, oh, well, this is, you just start having fun because it's so bad. We did. We did. As as Chelsea fans, I think, you know, we did. We just had as much fun as possible um, to to mask over what was going on. But in all honesty, I I don't know. You know, I think we just, Obviously, we've had, you know, Abramovich at the club for 20 plus years to then change to a new owner, new ownership, new idea, new philosophy, new projects, whatever you want to call it, um, as part of a rebuild. You know, he's going to ruffle feathers amongst the fans, amongst the players, amongst the backroom staff, amongst the hierarchy as well. Um, There's a lot of change. You know, you think back to, you know, uh, Marina Granaskaya, Petr Cech was there as part of the, 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 you know, the board as well. So losing all those, losing... I suppose the identity of the club and then bringing in all these new faces and everything else, you know, it's going to cause a lot of disrupt as well. Um, I'll be honest. I think that, I mean, going, I'm going back to, you know, August, September, you know, the second of Thomas Tuchel was probably the worst thing that 
Todd Bowley and the, the owners could have done. You know, you, you think back to what he'd done the previous year, previous season. Um, and then sacking him, I think it was after the Dinamo Zagreb game. Um, it was outrageous, i got to say. It was sack a crazy, cr- crazy way to sack him, crazy time to sack him. I think we just brought in um, Pierre Emerick Abamyang as well. So he's just we, we've done that to obviously appease, you know, to, to please um, Thomas Tuchel. And then we sack him like a week later after bringing him in. So it just was very sporadic. And I think it was it showed that the owners didn't really understand what was going on at the club. They didn't understand the scale of what was probably coming in and what they had to do. And it must be difficult for them because they're coming in. Something's constantly moving whilst they're learning, whilst they're having to change and adapt. So everything's happening, juggling all these things. But this is why you've got advisors. This is why you keep, you know, Marina Granasky. This is why you keep Petr Cech at the club for a little bit. You keep the players, you keep the, the, the board as it is and you learn from them. Then if you want to make your changes, you do that as a transitional thing. Gradually, you get rid of one, you bring in a new face, you bring in the other, you take out one. You don't just get rid of the whole board basically and bring in whole new you know, a whole fresh fresh face of people you don't bring in Graham Potter without bringing in your technical director it just didn't make any sense so there was so much that was going on I, I just I think fans were just so more confused if we were confused I can only imagine what the players must have been going through you know that time when you know Graham Potter's come in then uh, Mark Correa is there you know as part of you know, and then the whole sort of Brighton staff, backroom staff are there with them, which traditionally happens anyway. You know, you normally bring your backroom staff with you, but it was just a, it was such a weird time. It was such a weird, you know, looking back at it now, it was such a weird time. I think you just said unprecedented. It's probably the best word to sum up that that period, really. Yeah, it was, it was a very, from the outside, like someone who doesn't, you know, doesn't watch every lead, uh, every Chelsea game. You know, I watch a fair few, but not, you know, everyone. And mm. it was just so weird to see everything, just everything from, from the players on the pitch to the bench to the to the football club. It all just seemed so out of sync. And then January came around and it was just every single... It seemed like Chelsea were trying to sign everyone. Like, it was almost like a yeah. running joke that every single player was just, oh, link with Chelsea, link with Chelsea. And you brought in, like, so many players in January... And you know, not I don't really care about the money because it's it makes no difference to me. Is it's, we all know football and money that is outrageous and it's crazy. Yep. But like, I just thought they brought in so many players in January. January players rarely work. If they mm. do, it tends to be the odd one or a loan or or so, you know something like a clever sign in like a Henrik Larsson or something like that. Like. You know, they yeah. very rarely work instantly. And Chelsea Edson, I don't know how many you signed, but I'm sure it was about five or six. It felt like that many um, in January. And you just couldn't see how it didn't seem like there was a plan. Because I think a few, a couple, of, at least a couple were on loan as well, if I'm right, I think. It was weird. Yeah, I think, I think the, the worst one, I mean, Jao Felix coming in, I think we paid like a fee for him. We paid all his wages. And I think it was just, I think it was probably the most expensive loan in Premier League history. I think it was. And then he got suspended for three games. If you I think he got sent off against Fulham. Yeah, he got sent off in his first game, didn't he? First game, so he missed the next three. So then he was only there for a couple of games anyway, like 12 games or something. So it was um 
I mean, looking back at it now, I mean, I, I know why we signed Enzo in January because I think had we not, you know, I think we would have definitely missed out on him this summer. I don't think he would have come yeah. to us with without the Champions League football. Um, and I think we needed Malo Gusto, who's uh, right back now. He's going to be, you know, Reese James hasn't played a, a full season probably for about three years now. So, you know, just down to injuries and big injuries that have kept him out for, you know, 50, 60% of the season. So, so he's, he, we needed some cover there as well. You know, losing Aspilicueta, Kulabali, Rudiger, Kovacic, Mason Mount, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Christian Pulisic. You know, so many players that we had to get rid of that just didn't want to be at the club. You know, Lukaku is still there. <laughs> you know, Hakim Ziyech is still there. You know, these are the players that do not want to be at the club still. So, yeah. I felt, so, I felt sorry for um, Ziyech. Like he was all set for his move when he failed his medical. To PSG. Yeah. If I did two, feel he, for him. Yeah, there was two. Oh, was there it? was the PSG move. Yeah, he had a move for PSG and I don't think we sent the email back in time. There was the deadline day in, in January. So he oh, was all no. set. He had done his, he passed his medical. Um, but we, I think we sent the email at like 10 past 12 or something stupid oh. and it, it was beyond the deadline. But then he's got a deal in uh, the, the Saudi league but he's failed the medical, but they still want to sign him, but he's got to take a pay cut. But he doesn't want to take the pay cut. He wants the, the full, of course, yeah. you know, the South, he wants the Saudi there, money. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, but I'm looking forward to this season. I think this season will be good. If I'm honest, I think yeah, we, we have, I think we've got a lot about us this season. Um, we've lost some big names, you know, like I said, you know, Cesar Spearqueta on and off the pitch, you know, club captain. Um, Mendy going uh, as well, bringing in uh, Robert Sanchez from Brighton to replace him. You know, got dropped by De Zerbi as well. So, do you think that upsets? Um, not upsets, but do you think like Kepa? I think sometimes seems like he's a bit temperamental. I think he's actually a good keeper, and I think now that he's settled, he seems a lot better. But do you think the Sanchez signing upsets him? Or do you think he's just got to accept that he's got to fight for his place? I don't think it tests Kepa. I think Sanchez is not the keeper for me. That would, if we'd signed Onana or we'd signed um, Diego, David Ray, Diego Costa from um, from Diego Costa. What a keeper he is! Yeah, I can't remember where he's from now. Benfica, I think, or Porto. Porto I think, when, yeah. Porto. Only twenty. Only um, twenty-one. Yeah, so if we sign someone like him, I would say, yeah, that's a test for Kepa. But bringing in Sanchez, I don't think it's a, it's not a test. It's more, you know, I can still get away with not, you yeah. know, saving long shots like I didn't do last season. So there's still things that I think, I think it's not a test for, for, for me. I think it's, um, it, it's just it's back like up. the let, yeah, a little bit because, uh, you know, I think Mendy was probably a test. He, you know, he started really well went to the African Cup of Nations and then came back and he just wasn't the same goalkeeper. He just, and then he injured himself and he wasn't the same. But, you know, Kepa's improved. But I don't think, again, you know, talking about if we was in a Champions League final, would I trust Kepa in goal? Probably probably not, because I know he's got a mistake in him and he's not good at distribution either. Would you go as far as saying he's a liability or do you just think he's got a mistake in him? Um, I think he's got a mistake in him. I don't think he's a liability. I think... I think he will. He should be better this season. I think you look at Levi Cowell, you look at Thiago Silva, you look at um, Badia Shield centre backs that should be able to 
I always say, you know, your, your goalkeepers are only as good as your centre-backs. You know, if your centre-backs yeah. are rubbish, you're going to be saving a lot more shots than you should be. So, you know, if our centre-backs are doing the job that they should be, um, and, and def defence as a whole, you know, not just the centre-backs. But I think I think he's got a mistake in him. You know, I wouldn't say he's a liability. I think he's he's definitely pulled some brilliant saves, you know, I think back to last season where we should have potentially lost, you know, three or four. We only lost 2-0. You know, he, should, he, should, he saved us. So I think he's... Um, He's got, I mean, he's still relatively young for a goalkeeper. He is young, yeah. He's, he's not right. even in his prime, I don't think. No, so I he, think he's um, still learning as well. He reminds me a bit of De Gea, where the way De Gea came into the Premier League was yeah. you know, obviously a very good shot stopper, had great saves in him, but also yeah. had a bit of a mistake in him, was a bit shaky yeah. with some certain things. But I think he's on that same trajectory of kind of settling and he'll probably you know, get a bit stronger physically as well. And, and I can see him doing quite well. Um, do you know, very quickly, uh, I watched the United-Chelsea game towards the end of the season. And um, going forward in the first half, I thought Chelsea were, were okay. They weren't mm. too bad. But that second half performance um, was among the worst performances I've seen by a Premier League team. I just wondered yeah, what we, how like you felt like was it just a case of it was towards the end of the season we're not doing anything we're not in a relegation battle a couple of goals went in and they kind of just gave up or was that like yeah. a, a common was that common in terms of the level of performance throughout the season because I'd never seen I anything think, like that no I think I top, think when I think when we signed well when we appointed Graham Potter I thought this is going to be a turbulent season. Um, not because I don't think Graham Potter is a, a good um, manager. I think he is. Um, but I just think that step up from Brighton to a club where scrutiny is everything. You know, if you lose two games on the bounce, your name's in the back, you know, on the back pages of the papers. When you're at Brighton, you can probably get away with the, those back-to-back -back defeats because you're not expected to win probably, you know, against United or you're not supposed to beat Liverpool straight after or whoever. So... I think when we signed, when we appointed Graham Potter, I thought this is going to be a tough season. When we sacked him, I think that's when I sort of gave up for the season because I thought we've mm. just appointed someone. We've paid him off 16 million. We, I think we paid 80, maybe I think, to get him out of his contract and his backroom staff at, at Brighton. So all in all, 100 million in terms of what the work that Graham Potter, we had to get him out of Brighton into Chelsea and then sack him from Chelsea. And I think when Frank Lampard came in, I think that was just... You know, let's let's get the fans because the fans were really getting on to um, Todd Bowley at that point. When yeah. just before Potter was sacked, and when Potter, when Graham Potter was sacked as well, and when he was just when he was basically on the free fall downfall. Um, and I think Todd Bowley thought, how can I stop this from rotting anymore? Let's bring in a legend. Let's bring in someone that the fans love, Frank Lampard. Um, I think when he came in, bearing on the, bearing in mind, he he got. You know, he was he got let go by Everton because he nearly got them relegated. But he somehow manages to get a job at Chelsea Football Club again, based on the fact that he didn't really do that well again, you know, for Chelsea the first time round as well. So I think when he came in, I thought this is just now, you know, let's write the season off. So when we got to the United game, I think there was no expectation we were gonna win. And I think we just knew we I didn't think it was gonna be that bad. I mean, that's I mean, that was a bad game. I, don't, I think if I recall, I don't think I watched the most part of the second half. I was sort of watching, but wasn't. Um, it was poor. 
you know, and we, and, and we, yeah, we just we just folded like a deck chair. You know, we just were poor. Yeah. Um, Defensively, we, we it was just outrageous. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, but I think that goes back to what I was saying in terms of just the disruption at the club. You know, the fact that yeah. there's so many cool. managers coming through the door and different. You know, the amount of players that we had on the books as well. Two different training sessions per day because we've got you know 35 40 players at a time it can't be good for a player who just that's wants to get on and play football yeah that's that's, so. that's just crazy in that um last uh last thing though uh levi corwell should already be playing for england ahead of certain players shall we say um do you think chelsea would have done better if they'd kept him at this club last year or do you think there was so many players and because he's a young player he probably benefited from not being involved in what became for lack of a better word a bit shambolic in terms of you know three managers and performances like mm. we just discussed like probably better for a young player to not have to be in that mix do you yeah, think or I do you think I... he would have improved the team no i don't think i think you could have brought in Three Lionel Messi's and, and a Neymar, and we still probably would have been poor. I think we just we were that bad last season. Um, I think it was good that he was away from it. I think he went and learned a lot at Brighton, and I think it's probably the best one of the best clubs you could probably go to to learn from. You know, brilliant manager in Deserby, you know, Lewis Dunk, who I think is a really good centre back as well. Um, learning from him, um, just the way that they play as well. You know, the, the way that we, as we spoke about, you know, the, the sort of um, Solly March and um, I forget the the South American's name on the left. Probably his name's gone out of my head, but the way that Brian set up yeah. at the back, brilliant. You know, I think he was he learned a lot from there as well. Um, Will he yeah, start? I think he's come. Cowell, yeah, yeah, he has he to. Will. I think with he will. I think he will. I think he's. I'd arguably go out to say he's going to be, you know, England regular. You know, he should be yeah, in I that. Like should. you said, should be in that team. He should be in there now. Um, I think we can't rely on Thiago Silva for another season. I was going to say, isn't this Thiago man, about forty-five? He's he's he, he doesn't play like he's. I think he's thirty-nine, so he's coming up to forty. But we can't rely on him this season, so we need we need to phase him out that 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 back line. We can't have him saving our you know saving us again for another season. You know, clearing the ball off the line that shouldn't be his job. His judge, his judge should no. be playing against Wrexham in the Carabao Cup or whoever we get in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, That's yeah, his job. You know, bring him on last 10 minutes if you wanted to just give him a run out. Let's not rely on him every game. So I think our back two, our two centre backs, I think it'll be 4 2, 3 1 that Potticino will probably play um, as opposed to the, the three centre backs and the wing backs that we've seen under Potter. Um, I think it, for me, Levi Cowell, um, I mean, it would have been, it would have probably been for Fana as well. Um, mm-hmm. But we've okay. got Paddy Shill as well. We've obviously lost Kulabali, who I thought was, you know, didn't really do much. But he has to start. I think he's he's got, and I think we just signed another defender as well. Uh, I've lost. I've, I've, I've tried to give up about That's how many defenders we've brought. Yeah. We've who brought where, who would you play? So if, if they were your centre backs, who would you have as your full backs? Sort of just off. The oh, top it'd of have head. to be. It'd have to be Reese James and and Ben Chilwell. Yeah, Mario Gusto's looked really good in um in preseason, but I think you just you get a bit more from Reese James going forward defensively, you know, the assists, 
the balls in, the free kicks, the corners, the everything from Reese James. And Ben Chilwell's improved me, uh, improved me, improved for me um, in preseason. And again, he's had a long injury, like two big injuries that's kept him out for you know back to back seasons now. So I think he's got a lot to prove for Potticino. Um, you signed Desassi, didn't you? He's a great signing. Yeah, yeah, so that I, was it. Desassi and Levi Corwell together, mate. Oof, that's a really good. And you know what? That's a young centre back pairing for the next mm. fifteen. Well, fifty next ten years. You know, because yeah. they're both what? What's Corwell twenty? And you've oh, got yeah. is Sorry, 22, and you've got Desai, Desassi is 25. So you've got three centre-backs there who can take you through for the next 10 years and build mm. like it, solid it, partnership. Question mark about Fafana, because this is the second yeah, I think so. big injury he's got now. So I think, um, I don't know, can he come back from it and be the, the player that we want him to be? I'm not sure, but I think we've got enough cover in terms of some of the plays you just mentioned there to to cover for him, you know, whilst he's out. So I'm not worried about the defence. Midfield, we really need that Caicedo deal done, if I'm honest, but... But then, even if without Caicedo, you could play, you know, you could have Conor Gallagher and Enzo Fernandez as the two. Um, oh, no, no. I, I'm not familiar with Conor Gallagher, so I don't know quite how good he or bad he uh, is. Enzo Fernandez, not, I think, is phenomenal. Not in a double pivot with... Not in a pivot with... Uh, no. No, no. Uh, I, Chelsea for other Chelsea fans might disagree with me, but I, I watched that last season and it was. I love Conor Gallagher, but I think he it's needs scary. to be further up the field. Yeah, he's a brilliant player. Again, same mold as McTominay. You know, likes to get stuck in. You know, he does. He does everything. But I, I just think we need someone a bit more uh, defensive-minded alongside. And I, I don't even want to see Enzo playing in that pivot. I want. Him to, I, I think Enzo has a role to play forward as well. I think we should be pushing Enzo slightly more up the field. Um, but then, you know, I often think that the best pivots around the world, are you've got two defensive midfielders, but one of them is capable of really progressing the play, either with his passing or with his ball carrying. And I think if you put Enzo in a pivot with Casado, that's almost like the perfect combination of that. Oh yeah, because 100%, they're both yeah. incredible yeah. defensively, but they're also both capable of picking a pass or carrying the ball forward. That would be a scary, um, scary duo. I got to say, I think that would be potentially the best pivot in the Premier League. I'm trying to think of who's better. Um, I would have said Brighton, but my the my they've gone who's your first choice striker mate at the moment because you know Lukaku's still there you've got Nicholas Jackson you signed um Broha I quite like um and in Kunku and Kunku he's just out he's he's just injured he's out for three months now he got injured in our last preseason game um so he's out with a knee some sort of yeah, he's done some sort of like ligaments in his knee, so he's out for three months. Started really well in the US, but the pitches are. I mean, I don't know why we go there. This is the same thing that happened to Armando Broyo last season. The pitches are awful, and that's how Broyo done his ACL uh, because of the pitch. Um, same things happened to Nkunku, but I think Nicholas Jackson watched him a lot. You know, watched all the preseason games, he looks good. Um, signed him from Villarreal good striker hasn't got the best of records in terms of goals because he, I think he only played the back end of, of last season for Villarreal but he 
if you want to compare him to someone, I think Didier Drogba would be the first comparison I'd make okay. from, early, good, uh, from early glimpses. Yeah. Where Lily's strong, he can hold at the ball. He's, he looks like he's one of those strikers that just knows where the front of goal is and knows how to put it in the back of the net. Something that Kai Havertz couldn't do last season. But we haven't, I mean, Lukaku, I think, will go somewhere. I think it might be Juventus. You know, Pochettino said he doesn't want him at the club. He's got no future for him at the club anyway. They were so. all about a swap deal, weren't they, with uh, Vlahovic? Vlahovic, but Pochettino said he doesn't want him. Um, I think uh, what they wanted was Lukaku plus us to give 40 million as well as Lukaku. Oh, so, Christ. yeah, so it didn't, no. it didn't go down well, don't think, with Chelsea. But I think Lukaku has to go. You know, you mentioned yeah, obviously there's a, a, well, he's one an international tournament as well. as well. Yeah. Well, him and Ziyech are the same. I think they're the last sort of. Um, bad eggs, if you want to call them that, yeah. at the club at the moment. So, um, and like you said, you know, international tournaments coming up very, very soon. So, I think you know, Lukaku's not going to want to be sat in the reserves or sat on the bench, you know, week in, week out, not playing. He's going to want to play games. And I think, you know, obviously, the thing with Lukaku is he's, he's made hard work of an easy situation. You know, if he just, you know, just done do things it. the right way. Yeah, if he'd gone done things the right way, you know, he would have got a move that would have suited him, suited the club. Maybe Inter would have actually come in for him, and you know, he didn't he didn't have to ruin whatever relationship he had there. Um, and he's sort of done the same, I think, with Juve slightly as well. But you know, he won't be at Chelsea, I don't think, come the start of the season. So no. Nicholas Jackson, um, Broyo, I don't think will be ready until maybe October, November. And my last theory is we will sign uh, Ivan Tony in January. I think you'll. I don't think you'll be the only club, a big club after him. <laughs> I'm surprised none. Someone hasn't taken a punt on him now yeah. to get ahead of the curve because I think, say for instance, United don't go for Kane yeah. in this window. If they need another striker, or the young lad is feeling the, the pressure, or they get an injury, Ivan Tony makes a lot of sense. Because he'll be relatively mm. cheaply priced, so there could be a few clubs in for him. But just very final thing, I look at Chelsea, and this is the reason I got him in my top four. I think they've got a decent keeper who maybe has got a mistake in him. But I look at the defense, and I look at Colwell and Desassi, and then I look at the alternatives. If one of them is out, it's solid. And then I look at Enzo Fernandez. I'm a massive fan. If they sign Casado, that defensive sort of spine is so good. Yeah, and then you've got some, you've got some good wide players. You've got some good sort of attacking, you know, tens or midfields. My one concern with you at the moment, I, I admittedly I don't know a lot about Nicholas Jackson. I've only seen little bits and pieces, but outside of that, the other two young strikers are injured, and then you're into Lukaku. So if Jackson picks up a, you know, like a short-term injury or something or gets a ban mm. or something like that, like you're down to Lukaku as a striker. So I do think that could be your potential uh, issue. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sure they'll try and get someone in. Surprised you haven't yeah. got in for Harry Kane, mate. I've got to be honest with the relationship do. between do. him and Potts. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's the other relationship with... Chelsea, Tottenham, we just never really yeah. do. Apart never from Cheney, yeah, we've done. Yeah, um, 
Pudicini's the first one that springs to mind, but I'm sure there's two or three others that we've um, we've done business with as well. And in terms of Tottenham, Chelsea, Chelsea, Tottenham, um, I feel like it's a big one that I'm missing. Yeah, I'm just trying to have a little look. William, yeah, Gallas, uh, yeah, Gallas I think. Did Gallas go from? No, he went to, he went to Arsenal, Arsenal, didn't he? And then Arsenal, yeah. There's a big one. I feel like I'm missing. Trying to think, you know, I think it's going to be like really obvious now when we see it. Um, uh, Chelsea made their first sign in from first direct sign in in 14 years from uh, from Chelsea. Spurs signed who gets the point. It's, that's the headline, and then it doesn't tell you who it is. <laughs> um, 19 year old forward Joseph Sunsup Bell. Ah, I've got them here. Yeah, that's um, good. That wasn't really what I was looking for. I was like, I'm sure there's been. Well, I thought there was for sure been one or two transfers between the clubs. Not many, but uh, yeah, I can't find. I've googled it and I can't find any. Um, I think I've got it. Your Google skills must be better than mine. Yeah, so yeah, we've got so Carlo Codicini. The one I was thinking about was Gus Poye. Ah, yes, of course. There we go. Yeah, uh, that's the one I was trying to think of. That's not the third one, but yeah, the Gus Poye was the one I was thinking of. That was the big one for us, anyways, Chelsea fans. But yeah, I think we don't do much business. We 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 need Carrie Kane. I'm not saying we don't, but um, I think he'll end up at United. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I just have. You haven't really been sort of. There's been no link there, really, is there? And I was just thinking. No. Um, right, um, Theo, mate. It's been a, an absolute pleasure to uh, chat to you. Went a bit longer than we planned, but uh, it's been a lot no, of fun. No. And um, you're yep. more than welcome to come back anytime. Tell the people where they can find your stuff on social media and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. So from the shed end. So as you can see on the screen, if you listen on an audio, then it's at from the shed end. So it's all one word. Um, that's on Twitter under underscores between each of the, the uh, words on Instagram. So just underscore everything after each word um, on Instagram. And yeah, that's and YouTube as well. If you search from the shed end on YouTube, you'll be able to find us. So make sure you subscribe. And last but least, thank you very much again for having me on the podcast, on the channel. Um, appreciate it. You know, enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, thanks. It's all good, my friend. I really enjoyed it. I had good chat. Um, and we'll see how bad our predictions were in a, in a while. <laughs> see how it pans out. I'm sure there'll be a few transfers now. So we'll have the, we'll have that excuse in the bag that some, some yeah, transfers changed, <laughs> changed, changed the, the you know, if we'd known that, it would have been fine. Um, <laughs> mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, cheers to everyone who watched, commented and liked. Please do subscribe and all that good stuff. And if you want to give a bit of extra support to the channel, you can join at patreon.com slash acepodcastnation for the price of, not even the price of a coffee per month and uh, helps keep the channel going. And, of course, uh, big thanks to the Sports Social Podcast Network for uh, supporting the audio side. Nice one, guys. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.